we're exploring relational spirituality. It's rooted in the drawing near and withdrawing of God. It's a practice of spirituality that's rooted in God's relational presence. In this sense, relational spirituality differs to the dominant spiritualities we used to. The doing church paradigm, along with our devotional and formative spiritualities, are rooted in the paradigms of silence and mystery. In this episode of the podcast, I have the privilege of hearing Steve tell the story of his early experience of God. It was such a tremendous privilege being able to have this conversation with him, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. Conversations like these showcase the value of spiritual accompaniment for those looking to cultivate a relational spirituality of their own. Relational spirituality is a paradigm we're really breaking ground on. I believe that conversations like this evidence just how vital this paradigm is. There's no more important work we can be doing than giving our time to establishing this. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a comment on your favorite listening platform. We genuinely believe that nurturing the value for intimacy with God leads to practicing the presence of God and that this is the most important and critical quest for our generation. We rely on your general support to do this work. If you'd like to support us, follow the link in the show notes to the PayPal to make a contribution to our work. I, I realize that I'm I'm excited for this and I, I figure that you're quite nervous and you've just said that. So Yeah, I am rather. So tell me why tell me why you're nervous. So why am I nervous? I have, I have what what sounds like a, a a discordant chorus in my head. Uh, there's just a lot of voices going on, and I've I've spent the day specifically. I've I've had other times since we last spoke to just think about this conversation that we're going to have. But I've specifically tried to dedicate today very intentionally towards it, in the hope that this you know would slowly start to settle and I would I would start to see my, see the road. Um, but uh, it's got worse throughout the day. This, and, and I know that some of that is fueled just by a kind of biological anxiety, if I can put it that way. You know, there's a little bit of a cyclical building to this thing that you start to feel a bit anxious and it doesn't resolve, you can feel a bit more. So I'm aware that that's part of it. But part of it is also, I think, just a, a bit of an emotional storm going on inside around like the conversation and what am I going to say and what would I share and, and would it be the right thing and all sorts of questions related to that. Is that because you're feeling pressured to have a clear story or to have it edited in a particular way? <laughs> yeah, all, all sorts of things. So, so that's part of it. I, I know that part of like part of how I would identify and part of, of who just I really know myself to be is, is I, re- I really enjoy stories and I enjoy telling stories. But for me, the delivery of, an is, of a story is really important um, in terms of how it lands with the listener. I think that's part of what drew me to, to speaking and, and preaching and things like that over the years. And, and this feels like the antithesis of that. I, I don't feel as though I know where to start. <laughs> and, and I don't have a great sense of what the progression is. And I've been really wrestling with this confusion through the, through the day, just going, it's such a simple question what is what are my first my first experience or experiences of God, and it and I feel as though it's completely thrown me into disarray. Part of it is is I've been reflecting a lot on your story, um, and you know even like that has been an interesting space around going. I, I don't know. Like my story is very different, and at some level, I mean to be honest, your story is somewhat intimidating in terms of some of the experiences that you describe. And, and on the one hand, I'm aware of, you know, each person owns their own story and, and that's very important. 
And on the other hand, though, there is this, and it's silly, and I know that. Like, I know that logically, but I can still feel that it's at work somewhere there. This, this sense of, you know, delivering this now for an audience somewhat, and that it, that it has, to, has to land. There must be impact. You know, I'm reminded of, of something that we've spoken about before, but I've seen so often as well, just on my own, the, you know, the church testimony thing, <laughs> where, where the story is well-crafted and well-chosen because it has to land with an impact. You know, there's a, there's a marketing strategy behind that. And so that's one of the threads, you know, I've been trying to chase out of myself through the day and go, like, this is, this is not about delivering a, you know, Pulitzer Prize, uh, you know, like top seller kind of story. This is just to dig into your own narrative and just share honestly what your story is. And then that's been another part of it is just wondering to myself, what is, what is the most truthful way in which I could tell my story and, and what would that actually be? Because I'm aware that there's also that, I don't know, there's a part of me that wants to be able to portray myself in a certain way, to portray, you know, I think, you know, in myself in a certain way. And I've been amazed at how, how prevalent that is today. <laughs> and I've had to stop myself a couple of times and go, like, you're not working an angle here. <laughs> you're not thinking about how to present yourself in a certain light so that you're more acceptable or more accessible or whatever it might be what's more exciting than it actually is or whatever it is that has nothing to do with it it's it's really just to to try and talk through my experience and so that's felt like a rather big bundle of threads to try and uh, untangle through the day and i still don't know <laughs> i still don't feel as though i have my uh, my hand on uh, my, my finger on that so that's that's yeah that's about as raw and as honest as it gets at this point. Thank you for that. That that for me just highlights that we don't we don't tell this we don't tell these stories in a vacuum. We do tell them in relation, I guess, in part to the stories of others, mm. but then also just within the context of a broader social story in terms of who and what we're supposed to be as people and you know expectations of what we're supposed to be like and look like to others. But then I think also within there's that there's that internal conversation in terms of your own internal experience and your own your, your relationship to yourself in relation to your mm. story and uh, pressures and you know I internalized expectations or frameworks and that that come into play. So mm. th there's there's a lot here, and I think I you know I, I think you're saying that and reflecting on your discomfort around this. Uh, if I could use the word discomfort. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, there have been a number of times through today that I thought, I'm just going to message you and say, uh, not tonight. Let's, <laughs> let's pretend we're not friends for a week. We'll pick it up <laughs> next week. I'm just going to hide, to be honest. Sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. No, that's, that, that, that's totally fair. That actually, that actually highlights it. I mean, there is a, there, <laughs> this, is, this, is not a, this is not a small thing. And I, I think this, this, this does take us into the territory where, in, in the way that we've asked this question of people in the past, they, you know, these are similar to the dynamics that they that they'd be going through, and they they've given us a safe story, or they've given us a like an honest story. It's not mm. that that's that it's not vulnerable in terms of what they've given, but it's it it certainly ends up being, you know, it ends up being a safe story. We we haven't necessarily gone into these tensions with other people. Or, or, or the experience of what it's like to tell the story at a, at a deeper level, at a deeper level like this. 
Yeah, so I think this is a very important thing to to to, to highlight. I mean, if you if you're okay with it, do you mind if we just chat a little bit more about this before we even go into your story? Yeah, sure, with pleasure. So, so some of it is certainly a matter of how your story is going to be received, but some of it is also a matter of 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 what your story means to you, and and I guess the degree to which. Now, let me just ask us this way: Have you ever go really told this as your story? Have you have you have you sure. told this in terms of the the, the the scope of what's coming to mind here of what this early experience means to you or you know per, perhaps what the phase is or what the sequence mm. of events is or anything like that are, are you becoming aware of your story in a way that you perhaps haven't been previously aware of it is there a meaning making process in relation to this or a or a or a or a, mm. or a layer of, of needing to come in to understand this now that you're almost being exposed to the opportunity to have this explored um mm. yeah, I, I don't know how clear that, that is that's, that's just... exactly it okay i don't I, I i was gonna have an attempt at something like that but i think that that puts it really well like that's a very helpful launching point for me to try and explain some of the confusion i have become present to my own story i like your awareness um you know, that you're talking about that today in a way that I don't feel I've been present to it before. I think part of that is, I just like how you phrased that question, the telling of it. Part of it is because the ways in which I've been invited to tell it before have been different. They have been, I think, somewhat more superficial, even though even though in some ways I've, I've kind of been custodian of that invitation, even at times I've, you know, w within certain spaces within churches, I, I have created the space myself to tell the story, but, but the, 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 the way in which that's played, kind of the, the, the mechanism at play there, I think that's what I'm trying to say, has been one where the authenticity of the story and what it means to me actually plays plays second. It comes second to to the real the primary thrust thrust of those times has been kind of essentially to reach young people with the gospel kind of picture in in the context in which I was in it. It was to make a point about my life so they could have something to hang their hat on for their life as a as a as an apologetic tool in a way and you know and i even see it there as, as somewhat manipulative to some ways and some ways not i think if i'm being genuinely honest there's definitely some manipulation there that i would have to own and look back on but in other ways i think it is also just a confusing mix of me authentically trying to tell my story in a way that it help other people relate to what i'm trying to put across to them which is essentially the, like the case to become a christian at that point and so I've never told it in this way, yeah. Yeah, and also in some ways there is, is yes, it, it's space for you to tell your story, but, but you're being given that space with a certain expectation as well. And that's giving you a framework for how and why to tell your story and for what purpose. And I think, yeah, in this, in this context, uh, as far as possible, I'd love to take any of that expectation off, <laughs> certainly from my side. Mm. You know whether Thanks. whether it is totally free or or, or not, and and what you're left with internally, you know I, I think is 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 slightly different. 
but but I found it very helpful to acknowledge that because because I do think that there is something about this evangelical kind of confessional space that means that mm. you know we, we're all shaped to tell these stories with the purpose of having an impact on others and that becomes secondary because it almost says Steve your story doesn't matter as much to you it it, it matters only because of the purpose it's going to have in other people's lives yeah Whereas it's a tool it's a tool as opposed mm. to this story is about you as a person and your value to the divine person who becomes present to you and that's a different story and there's a lot there's a lot in that that you that I think you know just to depersonalize it in this context and then to bring it back to you is that is that I don't think that we are offered safe enough spaces often enough to explore this and to revisit this and to to work through the meaning of that story for ourselves and and I feel like in general as part of any kind of spiritual direction ought to be bringing us back to this to recognizing those experiences and building on them rather than bypassing them so we can build on the framework of a text or a tradition or or practices that shape our you know internal desires and thinking and, and all of those kind of things that's that's different you know whereas where is this this telling of the story is is i guess for, for two things between you and i here the, the one is for you the other is actually for me because i get to approach it with a sense of curiosity i get to approach it with a sense of interest and i've i've heard some of the bits of this but this is a fresh experience for me in the sense that i'm I, i'm listening with a very different ear tonight to you and asking from a very different perspective because i'm really wanting to 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 look deeper and see deeper and, and you know I've, I've i've prepped this i've got half a glass of red wine and a good glass of water <laughs> and uh <laughs> and i'm a little bit nervous as well myself so i also just want to hmm. acknowledge that thanks and the reason why i'm nervous is because you are so good at being present and at, at at asking, you know, in terms of people's stories, you know, like like you did with me and of staying present to that rather than abstracting. And I do tend towards the abstract. So my hmm. nervousness is related to the fact that I really want to do you justice in terms of hearing you and being inquisitive and exploring your story. It's a Thank window you. to know you, but at the same time, it's also a window to know the divine person that both you and I encounter mm. through the lens of your experience and for that to also shape and grow my sense of appreciation and respect and love for that for that person to you so it's um it's you know I also have a little bit of nervousness but definitely not uh, <laughs> not the same as you <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that I really do I've, I've I've found that part of my challenge today to to try and stay present to myself even to stay present to my own experience, even of today, and not to to disappear into the abstract. I've, I've found many internal conversations. I've had to suddenly pause and pull back and go, whoa, <laughs> you're running very far away from actually staying present to your story and you're already starting to abstract, even if it's just jumping into the third person and starting to, well, you know, people have this, people this, people that, the church this, the next thing, and realize I'm, I'm immediately stepping away. I'm dissociating from that immediate first person, um, that presentness. And even that has been, you know, on the one hand, interesting to just kind of look at myself and go, why, why am I doing that? Why am I, it's almost an easy way out in the moment instead of staying present. Sometimes frustrating, but also sometimes just kind of, yeah, it's a bit fearful 
if, if this is where the conversation's at tonight and we need to stay there, I, I am happy to stay there. So there is, there, there's full permission for that from, from my side, just to take, Thanks. to take that, that, that off. I don't, I don't want you to push on too quickly without that sense of safety and framework. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, look, you know, it makes this so easy with you is this sense of relationship, this, this, that, you know, it is, it is paradoxically already formed and still forming, but there is a substance to this, which, which I, I don't feel fearful doing this with you specifically so much as it's a, I'm aware in terms of how you phrased that question just now, but actually part of my discomfort is because this is somewhat uncharted territory for me. I've never, I don't think I've ever told anyone specifically, hey, this is my first experience of God. So I went looking for my first experience and I couldn't locate it. And that really threw me because I feel as though, and, and part of this has just emerged in the last 10 minutes as we're speaking. On one hand, I feel confused because I think, well, what the hell have I been talking about with people <laughs> for all these years? Uh, what is the story that I've been telling about my life and what purpose has it served and how honest has it been? And have, has it been hijacked? And, and I've hijacked it then because I've also been an agent of using my own story for, you know, as a means towards an end within institution, et cetera, et cetera. And then part of it as well that, that appears for me right now, just as we speak about it, is I realize actually one of the feelings that I'm holding today is I feel rather foolish, actually, because I think to myself, jeepers, I, I've, I've assumed to speak with others and, and kind of, I'm looking for a better phrase, but kind of into people's lives and experiences. You know, I've assumed the position of guide in some ways or mentor or at least sounding board or mirror or whatever it might be with some people along these lines. But I, I, I'm realizing I've, I don't feel as I've ever really pursued this question myself. I've, I've never genuinely had to do this. And so you know, there's, there's, there's a bit of foolishness there as well, just feeling like, Oh goodness me! Maybe I'm feeling a little bit of a sense of, of of a fraud in a way, which is maybe a bit strong. But that confused me. That that really threw me when I said, "Okay, well, sit down. I'm going to make a couple of notes. What was my first experience?" And I just complete blank slate. I just didn't know where to start. And I think because of that, I started to question some of what I came up with and go, is that really genuine? Or is that part of some of this earlier expression, you know, of taking an angle of, of presenting a story because it's, it's a means to an end as opposed to it stands for what it is itself. So coming back to your initial question, I'm, I'm very happy to explore it, but it's, it's far less coherent, I feel, than where <laughs> you were at last week. And I know you, you expressed a sense of, incoherence at some point and then I shot my mouth off about how wonderful incoherence is and now I'm feeling that that's come to <laughs> it's come right back to bite me in the ass and I'm going oh wow okay how on earth am I going to muddle through this 
but it is still very raw actually it's still very very yeah it's very unformed and um and i'm really just feel as i'm poking it for the first time properly in the last couple of weeks and specifically today so perhaps that's a helpful way to take that temperature that, that's an honest answer that really has me deeply intrigued you know it, <laughs> it, on, on one hand i'm i'm hearing that it, it seemed like it, it ought to have been easy to almost take out a notepad and and and, and just write a list of your top 10 experiences from the beginning <laughs> and, and that it, it turns out that it's not as easy as that and in some ways the the expectation that you carry is, is perhaps that it ought to have been that and then the surprise that it isn't am i yeah, a, yeah. Am, I, am i framing that yes correct? yes 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 I think I'm with you there. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> because because I also carry that expectation that it ought to be that easy and 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 it isn't. And I I know for me as well it it, it took it it took a lot of uh, it's deeply challenging to be vulnerable about what those early experiences are and what the process is and to be able to communicate that in a good way or or, or in a clear way. I, I think in some ways, depending on the life experience anyone comes in with, it's it's easy to talk about those experiences or it's hard to talk about those experiences and it's mm. it, it in some cases it's easy to go there's a clear experience and in other ways it's it's hard to discern the experience in and amongst other experiences when it dovetails with them you know mm. um because it's a lot of these experiences aren't clearly this was god or this wasn't god some of it is going well i had this experience and was it or wasn't it or it was both God and something else. And then it's, you know, it, how clear is that versus how, you know, how much did one project or did one assume or anything like that? I, I don't know if I'm introducing stuff here that you not necessarily wanting to introduce as part of this, but I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just reflecting about that as a process. Yeah. In some ways, absolutely. Um, in, in, in other ways, it, it's sort of, would take things in a slightly different direction, but but the 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 question of so so the question of projecting or discerning or you know and and in some ways thinking back and and correctly understanding is there, but there's there's some other layers to that 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 I'd love to explore as I try and tell as coherent a tale as I can. <laughs> Of the of the story of my life, and that's probably quite cryptic, but um... yeah, I, I think I think in the past it's been easier to to highlight an experience, and it's easy for those to come to mind. And what's different here is is the sense of looking back and going, you know, what was the earliest? How did it build? And that in itself, there's a there's a progressive story that that differs to an isolated experience that one can take or use or easily report or easily, you know, uh, communicate without getting into the inner, you know, the, 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 the almost the inner build of it, you know, um, or the inner process, you know, I, I can't help, but, but, but appreciate the bits of, of your, of your life and your story that I do know in relation to this. And so it's from that point of view that I'm, I'm I'm very excited to hear this. You know, I'm deeply appreciative that you you would extend the trust and be willing to share of yourself. You know. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. Um, shall I have a crack? Yeah, and absolutely. See where we go. Okay, cool. I I came across two two quotes 
today that that helped me try to bring some sort of a little bit more clarity to what I was feeling and then starting to think and, and I would think I would I would I would distinguish those two there were feelings initially that were quite raw and some quite powerful and some overpowering and then some clarity started to emerge as as some of my thinking started to to I think both activate and sort of gain a bit of traction but also as I spent more time around it and the first is um, the first I'm, I'm quoting oh, fourth hand I think <laughs> I started reading an essay today by a German academic who'd spent a lot of time with the psychoanalyst uh, C.G. Jung. And so she quotes Jung, who quotes Augustine. <laughs> so yes, I'm quoting it fourth hand in that case. And it's essentially the idea of the road to knowing God is paved through knowing oneself. And I'm certain I've done the original quote from Augustine, like horrible, like I haven't done it justice, I've butchered it. But that's what stuck with me as I read that quote was the idea of, in some way, the vehicle to knowing God is through knowing oneself. Um, and that, that really, really struck me. And then the second one is, is, from a, is from a lady therapist who I know you and I both really, really love, even though we've never met her, but I'm certain she's somebody we'd love to have conversation with at some point. <laughs> or maybe we could just meet and take a selfie to start with. Who knows? <laughs> um, this, is, uh, this is Esther Perel. And so she says this, our need for togetherness exists alongside our need for separateness. With too much distance, there can be no connection. But too much merging eradicates the separateness of two distinct individuals and desire needs a bridge to cross. And that just, oh, that just landed right in kind of in the center of, of, of where I was this morning that, that I found that, that very, very early on. And so this, this idea of self-knowledge and self-understanding and and the importance of, of two distinct individuals relating with each other is is um, yeah is is one of kind of great importance that I th if I think back and I link back like earlier into my life, I can see this thing emerging over time, which is why it's easier for me to tell more coherent stories about who I am over the last five years to 10 years of my life. And it is easier for me to speak of the experience of God in this time period than it is to delve back and go, think through my childhood, think through my, my teenage years, think through my early 20s, late 20s even. Um, well, frame of reference, I'm 40 now almost. So that does make total sense just in terms of, you know, development. We do start off life very unconscious. And then in our teenage years, we start developing a sense of self-consciousness and trying to determine who we are which is often through differentiation or protest you know or identification with different groups and things and then you know you kind of get on with the busyness of life and existing and then and then you know towards this end of life you 
you you, you do land with a deeper sense of knowing who you are at least a, a deeper capacity to and mm. the self-awareness is very different the awareness of who you are and that who you are is not just what you've accomplished or done or what you've striven to do or what you needed to be to fulfill others etc etc there is a there's a deeper you you know so 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 that 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 certainly makes sense i mean i, I love those two quotes i mean esther perel is is definitely she's uh, She's got to be my therapist crush if there's ever a celebrity therapist <laughs> yeah. crush, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, she's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening by any chance, Auntie Esther, we'd love, like, come and have a conversation <laughs> with us. Please be awesome. Apologies <laughs> for calling you Auntie Esther. That comes out of a South African context. <laughs> I was going to Cultural say, feel, context. feel free to beat Steve for calling you Auntie Esther. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, if there's anyone on her team that happens to listen to this, we'd love to. Absolutely yes, love to have yeah. a conversation with her. But yeah. <laughs> we'll share this episode with a hashtag. Let's see. But um, uh, so what was I? I think, like, if I if I cut to the center of of what I'm trying to what what I'm going to get to is is instead of kind of rehashing my entire life story, I think what what's really important to explain is I grew up in a household with a father figure who who kind of he he eclipsed like everything around him. There was something in him that was just like immensely larger than life. And, and it's a very complex sort of history for me to, to, to dig into because it would be easy to tell the stories. I grew up with a father who was incredibly overbearing and very controlling and I hated him, blah, blah, blah. That's too simple because there was definitely that side. But he was also just, just the most phenomenal human being. He, again, even that's too simple. It's too dualistic. But those would be the two things that I would I'll try to try and set down with some greater clarity. So he he was simply, in my eyes, the most phenomenal human being ever to walk the planet. And that was both through direct personal experience in some way, but it was also built out of this kind of mystique around his character from almost anybody that you kind of ran into who'd been connected with him in any significant way would immediately tell you the story in their own words of the kind of the magnificence that, that was this man. And, and it, and it, he really did. He, he eclipsed everything um, in, in my life, but at the same time for for whatever reason and a number of reasons, he he was incredibly controlling, incredibly overbearing. And so I spent the majority of my young life, both in awe, in, in kind of the true sense, and in awe, kind of just terrified of this man. So I, I, I barely knew him until I was about eight or nine. Um, perhaps even a little bit later, 10 or so. Uh, and, and even then, I, I, I didn't really know him, know him so much as know this, this kind of character, this, this, this kind of mysterious persona. Um, my mother died when I was 12. And so that left myself and my two siblings kind of alone in the house with him. 
and 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 it was only then that I really started to to come a little bit more kind of to grips with uh, with him. Um, I, I have very little memory of him before I was about seven, at least. Um, there are very few, but all of it is of just this larger-than-life figure who just who just filled every room he was in, filled every conversation, filled. Like, yeah, it, yeah I, I don't know how to do justice to telling that story, but but he was larger than life. But he can if that's not the actuality, that's my feeling connectors that he controlled everything about my life. I was always aware, even if he wasn't around, he was somehow around. <laughs> it's, it's like witchcraft. He <laughs> knew what I was thinking. He knew what I was doing. He had a, an absolutely unbendable, like, like, like iron will and, and understanding of right and wrong. There was, there was no gray area. It was right or it's wrong. And you were always expected to do the right. And you were punished heavily if you did something that was wrong. And, and, and that went, I guess, all the way from kind of the base ethics, which I picked up from him in life, but all the way through to like disappointing him was moral failure kind of level of thing. Um, acting out in public, was moral failure, like speaking back to him, moral failure, uh, you know, misbehaving and letting, uh, you know, sort of damaging his reputation in front of others was a moral failure. There was just, there was a very, very clear category of right and wrong that I was given. And, and I, and I both, and I both loved and hated this man who, who brought me up. And, and so I kind of build that picture to arrive at the conclusion of saying the statement of this man, I didn't know it at the time, but as I look back, I understand this man was God to me. That is, that is actively the role that he played in my life. Now, this is the same time at which I grew up in a very Christian home and I was exposed to all the Christian stuff from like birth pretty much. And, and so you're aware that there's a God and you go to church and I'm aware that my father led Bible studies and prayed and would, you know, just despite some of the, the disconnect and his ridiculous working life and all that sort of stuff, would often do prayers at night was with him, with us as kids. And there was all that sort of stuff. And, and so there was a sense of God out there, but, but the reality of God for me was this man, this human being. And so as best as I can discern, I grew up with, with a limited will of my own, a limited understanding of my own personhood, because it was, it was so merged with who he was and what he wanted for me that it, it was very difficult for me to distinguish myself. And that played out in a number of different ways, but, but that was really core. Cool. This is, as I look back, I, I didn't really understand that as a child or as a teenager. And I can remember one of the first times I, I really feel as I committed to something for myself, which was to, I, it sounds trivial, but I, I changed sports at school away from the sports that my father was renowned for <laughs> and which he loved almost as a second religion to something completely different. And, and, I, and I, it's strange, I, I felt almost as though, you know, I, I'd done this terrible, morally incorrect thing. 
and so so that kind of sense of 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 a lack of personhood in a way carries all the way through until we start to get into huge conflict in my late teenage years he and i and that's the point at which i feel as though i began a journey of kind of emerging into my own self but it was a very 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 slow journey and at the same time i i had an accident when i was 19 and i almost died and that is probably the closest I can come to putting my finger on a first experience of God. But the reason I tell the story this way is because I think for me, my understanding of God as person has grown over time from a God who's kind of universally there. And, and I, I don't think I ever doubted that there was such thing as a God but I think in my life, my father played that role in such a way that there wasn't space in a way. This is how I feel I'm trying to make sense of it. There wasn't space for an actual God who draws near and who is present to me. Okay. Until I started to be able to differentiate in some way between my own personhood and my father's personhood. And until we started to get into conflict that I started to, to create more distance and pull away. And then I had this like very life-defining accident in which I almost lost my life. And I still, I remember waking up in the hospital out of anesthetic for the first time and just screaming the word Jesus over and over and over and over again. And then it became like, oh, Jesus, why does it hurt so much? Oh, Jesus, won't you stop it? And, and there's a sense for me of, of God being there, but it's still not as, as actively present as I would describe in the last five to 10 years, let's say. It's, it's not a sense of me saying, I woke up in the hospital and God was definitely there, spoke to me, did anything. But, but something happened in that moment, which, I, which I, I, I don't really know how or what to say any more about other than for some reason, when I woke up, that was my instinctual response, was to call out for Jesus. And at that point, I wouldn't have called myself a very, you know, kind of like the evangelical language of I hadn't invited Jesus into my heart, or <laughs> I didn't have a personal relationship, or I hadn't, hadn't had any major experiences that I can put a finger on to say that there was a reason for me to call out for the kind of the personhood of God, other than as I think back, some of these things that started to started to to form for me my a little bit of a sense of myself, some difference between my father and I, some distance between my father and I, some conflict that started to break down some of the God feeling, and yeah, and and from there on, there's there starts to emerge some moments of experience with God. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the start of, of the story. Um, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like I should just pause there for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I feel as I'm, I'm, I'm digesting at the same time as I'm speaking myself, to be honest. So, I, I'm digesting this, um, this myself as you speak. 
I've heard you speak about the accident before. Okay. I haven't. And I've heard you speak about your father as being a significant figure that takes up the room and takes up a lot of space. But I haven't heard the the formulation and tie-in like this before. So this is this is new to me in that sense. And I and and I've heard you speak about the, the death of your mother before and your your father then taking up all of that parental space, right? Um, so there's 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 a lot here in, in your story that it, you know of of course is very peculiar to you. But there is a sense that that you didn't differentiate yourself from your father. That's to hear you reflect on and put into words like that. And and I'm just I you know I'm just sitting with a sense myself of of how significant that is. And, and I just wonder to what extent that that sense of of, of disagreement and differentiation and moral failure that you put in, you know, that's that's quite extreme. You know, you speak about your father in this dualistic extreme sense and and your personal choices for yourself seem to go into that too. So there's a choice for, you know, the choice of a sport, changing a sport. I, I'm, I'm just wondering what were your what were your choices like for a relationship with your father, if I may ask that. What were my choices like? for a relationship with him yeah and, and and not necessarily just from that period but but perhaps later in life as well in terms of kind of the quality of the relating one to to each other yes. and and the sense of your individuality and his value for you as a separate individual yeah that's sure that's really hard hey because i have very little sense so if if Let's say, you know, I use the, in my life, the dividing line for me is there's a, there's a real sort of end of chapter one, beginning of chapter two line, a very hard line drawn for me, the day in which I have this accident. It, that, that's, that's kind of clear. So pre that, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a what am I trying to say? There's a there's a there's kind of a presence of language with my dad around. You know, I love you. You're my son. Those sorts of things. But and and I, part of what really makes this difficult to put across is, I want to be able to be fair to this person and to his memory but also be fair to myself, you know, in the telling of the story. And, and I think it's fair to say that I have no, I have no feeling, I have no received experience of, you know, of that love, of that loving connection, at, at least in the way that I've come to understand, I've come to understand myself in, in better and deeper ways over time. And part of that is to understand myself as somebody who's deeply relational and, and who requires that need to be met for there, for there to be really good connection between me and somebody else's, to be able to connect in a very deep, a meaningful way. I think my father tried to communicate that sort of stuff. His primary go-to was by doing things. So, you know, silly example, he made my school lunch until I literally till my last year of school, which sounds ludicrous, but 
but I, I never valued that. That that wasn't important to me. And so there, there was definitely those expressions, to be fair to him. But from my side, there was, you know, not once did he ever tell me that he was proud of me, for example. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's very much, and that and that's that for me is the hardness in that is when you talk about if I'm understanding the question correctly, choices for kind of a relational connection, there weren't any. That was my that that was the the framework of which I worked. He dictated how we related all the time. And so up until that that day, that's that dividing line for me, that was very much operative. And that's what I was beginning to fight against. Although on the surface, my my fight was just for autonomy. All I wanted to do was just create the space to actually start to begin to be my own person. And even that I'm not certain. And, you know, in the time it, it manifested as, you know, I should be allowed to come and go as I please. I should be allowed to start to make my own decisions on like what's good for me and what's bad for me and that sort of stuff. And so even at 19, he was incredibly controlling around, no, you may do this, you may not do that. You may do this, you may not do that. Um, and I realized later in my 20s, um, he, he died when I was 27. So from 19 to 27, it's kind of that second period that, that actually what I really, really wanted was my autonomy to be able to actually have a loving relationship with him. It wasn't to get away from him so much as it was for me to emerge in my own personhood. And then what I desperately wanted was to have a connection with him. But that was that was that was borderline impossible up until my accident, and became impossible in other ways a little bit later on. Um, yeah, am I understanding the question correctly? I mean, it's a bloody good question. I, <laughs> if, if I'm getting it. <laughs> well, you've correctly. landed a bloody good answer. I must. Uh, oh, I must admit. I, I I like the way you phrased that. I just I just want to um, just want to repeat it because I I made a note mm. of it as well. You said I wanted my autonomy not to get away from him, but to emerge in my own personhood and then to have a connection with him. So that's my sure. my loose yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's 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 incredibly. It's incredibly profound because it sounds to me that 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 you didn't uh quote unquote rebel against him to define yourself in a way as an antithesis to him you you, you differentiated to emerge in your own sense of self and a unhealthy sense of self and unhealthy sense of choices mm. for yourself yeah yeah I, yeah i i think uh, it it's a you know, it's always a pity when someone passes so young in your life. It would be really mm. interesting to have, have seen how that would have developed had your father still been around today to see where the mm. relationship could have been. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's another thing that, that makes, I mean, this is hard territory for me because it's a significant grieving point for me in not in a way, feeling not allowed to have that space, to have the opportunity to to try these things and try them in a healthier and healthier way. Um, 
And so a lot of the meaning that I speak of, you know, in terms of, you know, the context of a 19 to say 25 year old, 23 year old is, is imported meaning. I'm, I'm, I'm looking from the vantage point of who I am now back and I'm interpreting and going, ah, yes, that's, that's what was going on there to the best of, you know, the best of how I can piece that together. That's what was emerging there. And, and that's why it was such a confusing feeling. There was very definite love hate, like I actually do want to get away, but, but you know, that, that's why that quote from Esther Perel is just so important for me that, that when the two people are merged, there, there is no possibility for connection and loving connection. And when there's too much distance, that, that's also impossible. Um, but if the two individuals can stand for who they are, this desire um, that needs a bridge to cross, that, that just captures me, that idea of that's, that's what I would have been really, really desperate for. Did that life transition that break for you, did that result in a lot of distance that you that you weren't able to to make bridges, at least early bridges to before your father passed? Or were you at least able to make some connection again? Before I had my accident, I, I tried a few times. So from from a young age, this is some of the weird complexity about trying to self-report on life experience. It's so it's sort of turned in on itself. So at the same time that I was deeply controlled by my dad, we actually had a lot of autonomy as kids, especially my, my mom was, was sick for five years. And so her level of engagement with us as children sort of it, it decreased over time steadily more and more. And so we had more sort of freedom in a way to just kind of do our own thing. And then after she died, it, it was more and more my, my dad, it's not like he sat on us every minute of every day. And so, um, and, and yet, you know, it's so strange because there's this feeling all the time of this overbearing kind of controlling. But so I started watching martial arts movies that I shouldn't have been basically for the age I was <laughs> okay. very early on. And I discovered just like a desperate love for the martial arts and uh, even to, to some extent, like Eastern philosophy and practice and that kind of stuff. And I was just, I mean, yeah, cheapest. I, I, I used to dress up like a ninja and I pretended I was Bruce Lee. And, and I used to spend my days like climbing the house and playing around on the roof and walking along walls and trying to break into our home, you know, quietly like a ninja would. And, like do all this ridiculous stuff. And my father just didn't get it at all. <laughs> <laughs> at all. And that, I remember, that's one of the early bridges I really tried to make with him. And uh, I know at the, at the point it was a little self-serving as well because I desperately wanted him to pay for me to go and do a course. Uh, at some point there was the opportunity to, to do something like this. And he just flatly refused. He said, no, he's a pacifist. And he can't get this desire to, to learn these things, to hurt people. And I was trying to help him understand that it's a lot more than that. And, you know, it's a lot deeper and it's really important to me. And, and, and I can remember that's a moment that I can remember. See, like this is one of the fascinating things for me. When I, when I think early experiences of God, these are some of the things that pop up is 
I can, I can take you back to the exact moment in an afternoon sitting on the edge of my dad's bed in his bedroom and he sat across from me at his desk and I can tell you the sun is coming through the windows and it's shining down on these patterns on the, the brownish gray carpet on the floor and he's turned sideways on the desk to look at me and, and we talked for a good 40 minutes trying to reach each other at least I was desperately trying to trying to build some sort of bridge that we could connect on. And he kept just basically saying, no, 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 no. Um, and there were those early attempts. The music was another thing that I tried. And, and that was an abysmal failure because my father was a classical musician. And at that point, I was trying to introduce him to Metallica. So you can imagine <laughs> how that went. And, you know, and I can, again, I can take you right back. I, can, I could take you to the house. I could show you where we were. I could talk you through this little blue Walkman that I've got with those pathetic old little black headsets and trying to play to him a song of theirs and, and show him, like, this is amazing. Can you hear the artistry here? And him just looking at me and just, like, I could just tell this, we're just not going to connect on this. And so there were moments like that. And later... There was distance for a while, and then and then um, he he spent the last years of his life with dementia, and and then that was essentially the underlying cause eventually behind his death. And that's another grieving point for me because after this distance, when I when I finally thought, hang on, I I think I'm older, I'm a bit more mature now, I have a slightly better handle on myself. I need to try something around an, another connection moment like this. I have a feeling that, yeah, the interpretation that I can bring to to what happened is that is that he was advanced enough in his dementia that we were not going to be able to actually make a conscious connection with each other. And there's some other moments later on during his illness that are real connective moments, but it's not a adult to adult conscious connection, our roles reversed quite significantly. And, and I became like a parent to him and, and he became like a child to me. And so some of those are very special, but they're not, they're not what I was looking for. But interestingly enough, as I can tell that at least to the best of my ability, as I'm trying to stay present and honest with my life experience, I can tell that my connection with God, something shifts there as this relationship with my dad, this understanding of, of him being God and then not, and this conflict, and then this accident, which is a huge catalyst in my life. That's there's a shifting going on there that that as me to my sort of human father, things are changing and there's distance and there's conflict, etc. There's an introduction in a way of myself and this this God figure that goes from kind of universally present, kind of I know you're there theoretically, blah blah blah, and there's a slow emergence of an actual. In my understanding, there's a there's a person that emerges into that gap in a way. It's almost as if that space is freed up in my life. 
for 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 the divine to step into that's quite profound that's um the way you phrase that last bit i i feel like i'm i i i don't want to do the the memory of your father and the and the relational journey with him injustice so that's that's my one caveat that i want to put out there um, thanks but on the other hand there's 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 two things that emerge here in this mm. is that is feel that free as, hey. as thank you <laughs> thank you yeah so as this relational space frees up help me understand the difference between the potential to project that relationship onto an unconscious blank universe mm. and an idea of God and, and, and move from your relationship with your father, the man to project that onto the universe and go, well, there's a God and you know, mm. it's, it, it's super dad versus mm. what's it like when you say, as that space opened up, there's a shift from this universal, uh, a non-relational person or, or, or you know the, the, the idea of the concept of God that's out there universally perhaps perceived mm. as a as a presence perhaps as an availability what's it like to what is it like how, how do you come to say or what do you mean by saying that in that space that's freed up this universal person whose attention or presence isn't available to you becomes a present to you is, mm. is you know, am I am I making enough sense here? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Well, at least I hope so, and I'll, I'll run with <laughs> it. And you can tell me if I if I'm off track in terms of how you're positioning there. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm trying to be sensitive in in terms of how I how I ask it, but I'm I'm really wanting to drill into that experience of of, of God and the differentiation between the experience of your your father who stands proxy for a relationship with God, the displacement there, and then there's the fading of your father in a very painful way. And, and with that, perhaps the, the stepping in of God within that, within that period or within that space. Mm. And, and it sounds like that's quite profound in a way, because it's, it occupies a similar sense to the accident when you're 19 of a, of an awakening or realization. And I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm necessarily um, just projecting my idea onto that or, or projecting what I want to hear in your story onto that. So, <laughs> so uh, if that is the case, just, just let me know. Um, yeah, but, sure. But sure. yeah, if, if, if that's okay, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think what I'll do quickly is just try and reflect what I hear you asking, but I'm going to try and put it very, very bluntly just to see if, if that's what you're asking because if I'm correct in what you're asking, that's very much a framework. Is framework the word I'm going for? Yeah, I, th I think there's this, uh, no, it's not quite, but there's sort of two operative frameworks in terms of the experience of my life moving forward. And so what I hear you asking, I think the first question quite bluntly is, with this desperate desire to have a relationship with the human father who is larger than life as the actual experience of that potentially plus the potential experience of that as that dissipates as i come try to come to terms with with kind of the loss of that 
do I essentially try to fill that gap by going, okay, great. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to search for the cosmic dad who will replace that essentially. Right. Is, um, is kind of the first part to that. Yes, that's the first part, although I'm trying to caveat it to such an extent that it's much <laughs> gentler than that. But, but, no, I know, but, but that's why I thought I'd put it bluntly because I, partly that's a reflection to go like, that's okay, I, I see that and I'm not afraid to go there. And I appreciate the fact that you can also put your finger on that because I know you to be too sensitive, too intuitive and too intelligent to miss that. So I'm just putting it bluntly in, in a way, I guess I sense that's what you're asking. And my bluntness in response is a, is a, is a invitation to say, yes, I'm, I'm really willing to go there. That's, that's no problem if I get the correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's part one of the question really. Yeah. That's part one. Yeah. And part two is, is to talk about, as I understand the actual, potentially the actual thing that emerges in the gap, as opposed to projection. Am I hearing you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I really appreciate the caveats, by the way. So, I mean, I'm, I'm being blunt, not because I don't appreciate them. Um, it's merely just for, for clarity's sake from my side. Thank you for that. I, I just, I just also want to put into the space that this is, um, this is not easy territory um, to explore, partly because it's, it is potentially so fresh in terms of this formulation. Um, the, the, the other thing is, is just there's potential feedback, you know, and getting into a feedback loop in relation to the outside voices that come in here. Um, mm -hmm. And so the, 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 the challenge in, 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 you know, the challenge here really is to is to explore this from within your story rather than into the, you know, potential realm of, of, of abstraction. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very aware of that because as I ask the question, I'm just, you know, I become aware of all these, like all these things that are often thrown at people, you know, that, that, okay. that, that there is no person. It's just a projection, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Whereas, whereas that is the case for some people. So I'm not taking that off the table, but I'm not accusing you of that. Mm -mm. But it ends up being a vital thing to go into for me to, you know, come to an understanding of, of so what is this experience for you? You know, what mm. is that experience of God? How does, how does that become, how does it count as an experience of God for you? You know, mm. um, so there is that. But so, 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 so I, I just want to say thank you for taking, taking the question on board so seriously and for, um, for being as blunt in your formulation. Thanks. Um, it's, it's a very, it's, it's very brave terrain to go into. And I'm, um, I, I'm just appreciative of the fact that you, you're willing to do that. Thanks. I, I hope I'm not being naive <laughs> and I hope I'm not going to get in there and then suddenly want to retreat. Uh, but let's see. It's okay if you do as well. I mean, this is, no, this, this is, the yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I feel that I feel that. I guess that that comment is really an internal comment in a way of going. I can sense that a, there's 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 something of a distance I'm aware of between the emotional rawness of this and what I'm actually present to in my emotions, and that's a little confusing to me. 
and that's why I just I'm wondering about the naivety of whether I will suddenly become present to that and it will be a little overwhelming and whether that dissociation in a way has been a little bit of a coping mechanism over the years for me to to not have to face that so to be simply dualistic again I I'm sort of stuck between wondering, have I actually processed this better than I thought? <laughs> and that's why I don't feel overwhelmed by the emotion or have I dissociated to some extent and I'm, and I'm being naive and I'm gonna run in here going, no, it's fine, let's talk about this, not a problem. And suddenly I'm gonna feel overwhelmed um, because I, I, I do trust that you're not marching me anywhere at gunpoint. I, I'm completely owning that I'm, I'm willing to go there. I'm just flagging for myself, I guess. Like, this is interesting that you just wander in there so freely. So let's see what happens. <laughs> so I'll do my best to, to, to look at those two questions as two questions. But I want to start by combining them in a way because that's a sense for me so so from my accident onwards there's a sense of of those things being very combined and that they separate over time and as i'm able to understand them as two questions that you asked me today it's because of the process of the last 20 years of my life that they've emerged as separate things because I didn't understand them, I think, to start with as separate things. The projection and the idea of God and potentially the person that arrived were quite mixed up for me. That, that to me speaks of, of um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a very healthy answer, just off the top of my head. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to be as honest, I think, A, with myself uh, as I can be, and, and then with you in that order. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay as, as yeah, I'm trying to stay as honest as I can. So you, you know, in some in some ways, just just even where you're beginning there, if I if I, if I may, mm. there's a similar complexity here to the differentiation that you have earlier in life with your father of, of, of not having a sufficient sense of self there, and starting to emerge. And then, and then almost a later recognition that there isn't a sufficient uh, differentiation between the self that is God and the self that is your father from each other, you know, those yeah. individuals. And, and almost an intertwining between yourself, your father, and, and God, who, who, who epically doesn't make it easier when, when taking on, you know, father <laughs> as a title and name and relationship with us as well, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so it, it is. It is understandable that this, those processes are going to compound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 even in a sense, so as I stand here twenty years later and speak of it, I'm looking back into my history and I, I'm trying to speak more sense into what was going on then than was actually going on then. That growing emergence for me has taken a long, long, long time to reach where I am today of 
those, you know, the disentangling of all of those threads. And to some sense, I feel this is going to sound potentially really, really weird, but in some way, I, I feel almost now as I speak, I speak with the voice of 60 or 70 or 80 year old me, even now speaking back into the present day and going, you're still disentangling a lot of those things. So I guess my point in that is I have a sense of this is not commentary from a from a, an arrival perspective, you know, I'm still deeply aware because of how much processing there's been. And because often along the journey, if I'd taken temperature, I would have gone, wow, I'm, I'm light years ahead of where I was, that could be both true. And somewhat misguided in that, you know, there's still a lot of layers and complexity to, for me, at least to the understanding of self, the differentiatives, the differentiation between self and other, self and God, self and even even the the the, the different the different voices of my own self that speak internally, and I mean that's a like a tempting rabbit hole to go down that I, that I won't right now because I think it's going to take us into different territory, but. I'm aware we'll, we'll, of this we'll continuing process. Point, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm aware of the continuing process. And so, you know, as I look back, I was aware of a number of things, but also a lot of it was very hidden to me. And it's taken many, many years to, to speak in the way I speak now. Even in my late 20s, early 30s, I, I, I've, I've worked with young people for most of my adult life. And even in my early 30s, you know, I'd spend time with a 16-year-old and I'd hear them say, well, I'm the kind of person that, and even then I'd sometimes think, how can, you, how can you say that? Not from a judgment of them perspective so much as a, it really felt as I'd highlighted a deficiency in me and going, I, I don't know how to say those things about myself. I am a person that, I'm a person that. And I only feel as though I've started to own that language in some ways in the last five years at 1920, when this starts happening, I, I was not that person, oh, I'm a person who has experiences of God, I'm a person who this or that or the next thing. That's, that's, that's been a really a long, long, long strangled route uphill for me to arrive here. So, okay, let me try and turn my attention to those questions. So, my first experiences of God that, that I can think of as being more genuinely experiences of God are very, like, personally impersonal. It's experiences of other human beings connecting with me kind of ambassadorially it's language I've picked up from you which has been really helpful it's experiences of healing um, I without telling the whole story my, my, my accident was a damage to one of my hands and the the amazing doctor who put me back together told me that I would regain 40% usage of my hand. And maybe if I was incredibly lucky, 60%. But he did say I would never play the guitar again. He 
he was very clear on that. And interestingly enough, there were two things that he picked out. <laughs> he said, <laughs> you will never play the guitar and you will never rock climb. I play the guitar again. It's not the same way as it was before my accident. I have, to my reckoning, somewhere between 85 to 90% perhaps function in this hand. And I've rock climbed since my accident. I'd never rock climbed before. It's, it's not the same. And, and that's, you know, that's this, you know, in Christian circles, I would use the imagery of kind of walking with a limp picture. You know, there's, there's definitely something wrong with my hand, but the healing that I experienced in the nine months to 18 months after my accident of therapy that I went through and just week upon week of just like horrendous like slog and perseverance and whatever was, was largely like that, that, that healing was largely mediated through three individuals who I met with once a week, at least for the first nine months after my accident. And in some ways who, who basically loved me into submission to, to finding myself in a, like a godly place. I'm so wary of some of this language because it's so loaded, right? But I essentially went to a Christian group once a week where these two of my peers, two 18-year-old guys and a adult mentor type, he was a chaplain at that point, they listened to my story, they let me cry, they prayed for me, they kind of believed for me when I couldn't myself. And that was, that was a mediated experience of God through others. And there was this healing that I experienced. That <laughs> I'll translate, but uh, I remember sitting with the doctor about six or seven months in, and he was checking me out. I used to see him for the first six months, I saw him every week, which gives you an idea of kind of the extent of the injury. It was just quite crazy. And I did something. And he looked at me and he went, oh, fuck, booty, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is Afrikaans uh, from South Africa, which means, fuck, dude. <laughs> and then he said, do that again. And I did it. And he looked at me and he said, you shouldn't be able to do that because the damage to the nerves that supply this hand was so bad that I, I should not have that function. And I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that I shouldn't be able to do that until I did that in front of him. And he said that. And I remember that moment again, like this is another one of those, if I can take that a step further, as so I spoke earlier, you know, about connection with my dad and, and that experience of, you know, that I can remember that sort of, but I can remember that moment and he ran out of the room and grabbed the occupational therapist that I was also seeing every week and like dragged her in by the arm. I was like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And then she lost her shit and like everyone was having a party. And, and, and as I think back, there's some sense for me of God's presence there, but it's not a direct personal presence, but there's a growing sense of a, 
of a God, perhaps, perhaps, and this I hadn't thought of actually before I say it right now, a God who's not only mediated through my father, actually, is a God who's reached me now through these three guys that I saw every week. Somehow there was a God that reached me, even through this doctor, not that like the doctor never prayed for me, never said, hey, I'm a Christian, whatever. In fact, I think he was probably a raging atheist, actually. Um, and the occupational therapist, I remember, uh, as I became more and more aware of these things, I can remember sitting with her once and she was massaging my hand and I suddenly became aware that she was praying for me. I didn't know that while she was working with my hand. And later we had a conversation and she said, no, she's a Christian. There were some moments there, but there was a growing awareness of a connection, but it was still somewhat impersonal. It, it's not like you, you 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 have a reported experience of someone praying and experiencing healing. You've got almost a, like a series of just being prayed, permeated, but not like a an event where you go, yeah, yeah I experienced healing. You, yeah, you arrive, yeah. you arrive here, and, and and a professional basically notices something and goes, you know, fork putty, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, because because that shouldn't be possible. They know it, but you weren't aware that. Yeah. A healing or a or a progression was out of the ordinary or anything Am I, yeah uh, yeah 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 i had no idea so yes there was there was never that dramatic I, I i didn't i never sat in that study and suddenly you know the heavens opened and the angelic choirs sang and you know my arms started to shake or anything like that but these three guys were so incredibly persistent that week in and week out even when I, I was kind of, you know, lost the will to live. Often, would just keep going, keep going, and and this kind of emerged through that. Um, and and so even then, like so, that for me is a sense of of an answer to your second question as it starts to emerge. But as I look back, even then, I'm I'm aware that that it's tangled up with. With a with a yeah a young guy of nineteen twenty who's who doesn't really know who he is and is in some way desperately searching for some kind of connection with a father figure with with an authority figure with a with a something that will tell me I'm valuable I'm loved I'm important I'm special um, and and I'm aware that. All of those things, you know, they're not very good at lining up, you know, and, and playing out in a linear manifestation. You know, it's not like on a Monday, the one gets preference and on a Tuesday, the others, they're not very well behaved. All those, all those feelings and voices and desires are all kind of fighting over each other to get out there. And at the same time, I'm, I'm experiencing something outside of me that feels very different to what I've experienced, like... I had moments of of like uh, like oral oral connection, like I spoke and people listened, and they cared that this really hurt me. They they cared that I felt my life was over. They cared that I didn't feel the way I'd felt before. There was a distinct human to human interaction that had changed in a way. At the same time, I'm aware of you know this older chaplain figure came from a similar era to my father and there was a projection there around uh you know 
like you know you're a replacement dad <laughs> kind of picture and, and you're giving me things that my dad didn't and all of that is kind of wound up and in the background somewhat it's just, this is what's so weird for me it's it's like i saw the burning bush but it was like way off in the distance and i was kind of aware of it but my interaction really was with the people here who were telling me somewhere there's a burning bush and it cares about you and it wants you to be better um and and so there's a sense of of God both being present and and permeating those spaces when we're together, but it's still very, it's not one-on-one. But I can remember the first time it became one-on-one. Same chaplain, older man, person, one or this I don't completely remember, one or two of those younger eyes. And a couple of other people, we were in a small chapel downstairs. I worked at a school at that point. So all of this happened on the school property. And I'm in a small little chapel. And this chaplain is going around praying for people in a circle. And I'm aware that he's standing behind me. And he has his hand on my shoulder. And he's praying for me. And I've got my eyes closed. And I'm listening to him pray. And, and at some point, I think, Jeepers, like he's spending a lot of time with me. <laughs> because he's he's it's not that he's rushed past you know everyone else but i i really i really don't feel like i should have had half an hour of his time and i open my eyes and i look up and on the other side of the circle he's standing there praying over somebody else okay and yet i can still feel this hand on my shoulder holding me and I think, I think that that is the first moment for me of a sense of something becoming very personally present that stuck with me. And there was, yeah, I don't really know how to describe it other than the language of there was something standing behind me holding my shoulder. And, you know, as you think back, like you, I want to, I want to discount that and go, well, you know, he held my shoulder and it was a warm day and the handprint stays and you, know, you make things up. But, but I knew he was behind me. Like I knew he was there until I opened my eyes and he wasn't there anymore. There was something there holding me. And suddenly in that moment, I had the sense, oh, okay, that's God. Like God is right there touching me. And from who I know myself to be now, I'm thinking back there, touch is incredibly important to me. So there's something really sweet about that moment of suddenly there was an emergence there. And so for, part for me, part of the answer, I think in my mind to the two questions that you pose is in me trying to describe the difference between them. And the difference for me is that I was surprised. That that wasn't something I was expecting. And it was not something that I really asked for from my father. Because although he could be quite physically affectionate, my experience of him being physically affectionate was with other people. He was hardly ever physically affectionate with me. The physical touch I got from him was 
I used <laughs> the, to get the, hidings. The, the bottom club. <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah. I, yeah. I got the the five finger correction <laughs> for for not doing things right, you know. And that surprised me. Yeah. Also, in retrospect, it would have been very hard for you within that stage of your life to know what you were asking for when you were looking for, because you didn't necessarily have a language for it for yourself. So, in retrospect, you've you, you've you've got a language mm. for it, but. But then That's it would true. be very difficult to have had that as a clear, like, mm. like ask that could be met even. Mm. What, what's interesting here is, is I'm, you know, just let me know if I'm on, on the right track here or not. But I, I, I feel like in the, in the healing, you've very much got these three people in the foregrounds mm. and the, the notice of the, of the doctor and the OT, what they notice in the situation. Although there's a sense of God, God's very much in the background. You know, perhaps, yeah. perhaps distant and almost easy to discount in that sense. And then you've got this experience of the of the chaplain going around and praying. And here's someone who, because of the the role and the place and your father's generation and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. it's easy for you to associate with God. Yeah. Um, but God stays with you and allows that person to move on. Mm. And when you recognize that, that you open your eyes and you 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 both recognize the the value of the extended time that you've had, and then you realize the extended time has not been with that person. Mm. There's a clearer dis distinction, almost like, like, yes, God does work in a mediated fashion through people, but this God that you're looking for also stayed for you. Is that, mm. am I on the right track here? I, th I think so. Because it's, I mean, this is part of what fascinates me, being able to, to tell my story is to hear the reflections of, of some of how it lands. When you say the God who stays for me, it's interesting. Even now, I immediately, there's something in me that emerges. No, no, no. <laughs> God, like, why would God stay for me? Is, is this something of a knee jerk that arrives there? And yet, that's that's a very accurate description of what happened. Like God didn't move on from me there. There was a, I don't think I've thought enough about that experience in terms of its meaning, in terms of meaning to me so much as, you know, this has been part of what's confused me about trying to tell the story is to be able to report on meaning is hard. But I could tell you the facts of the story. This is what happened, where I was sitting and what happened, and he moved on, etc. But there's something in how you say that that just makes me go, yeah, wow. Like, is that true? Is that possible? That God would have stuck around for me there? That that may have been... Because I, I can't say to you off my own bat, this is what I felt God was doing then or this was the point of that, or this was the meaning of that, or the message, or you know, there was no words, really. There was no sense of God saying, I'm proud of you, or what the hell were you doing, or <laughs> anything, so much as this presence that was there when the human being had moved off. And something grabs me in how you say that. Because there's, there's, there's very much something in the, in, in the way that you, you tell that story that 
that that makes that at once both a like like it, it fits into the language of a mystical sense sensory kind of encounter experience right mm. but it's very much just a this is just a relational presence in the same sense that you you had the sense of a yeah this this chaplain's presence behind you and hand on you mm. and an, and almost uh you know in the way that our 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 attentional awareness means that we we focus on something and then we don't pay attention to other things that's just the way our mind and our sensations mm, work mm. so so there's something in that very real presence but the very real presence is also the very real presence of god to such an extent that you don't even notice them moving off and going to others there's a sense that this relational presence is there for you and you've got a strong connection with it throughout um i mean mm. am i am i touching on things that aren't there in your in your memory in your story or is this or am i still in it in my grappling with it no you're you're in it yeah, I, th I think that the only thing that gives me pause is that it's, that's for, it's, <laughs> I, to be honest, again, I, I feel a little foolish, I'm aware of that, and just going, how have I never wondered what the meaning of that was? It's just kind of been stored, filed away as, that's what happened, move on. And I, and I haven't tried to grapple with, like, what did that mean? And why have I discounted that? Why do I discount that now, as you say it? Why is part of my internal knee jerk is, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> God wouldn't do that for me. Why is that part of my response? What is, I don't know. Maybe the simple question is, what was God trying to do there? I've, but I've never asked that question. I've, why have I never asked that question before? I think I guess I'm I trying to hold intention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to hold intention the fact that I'm aware of that, and at the same time going, like, can I put this like so? The way in which you frame it and you reflect it is very helpful, and at the same time, I want to hold that gently and go, like, I actually want to say, okay, well, so I told the story. Tim reflected this. Third step is God what do you say like what what was the point of that moment is it as simple as i remember it was there something not factually do you know what i mean like what's the meaning there and and because i i don't think i could tell you i don't know other than it was really meaningful there was like It was, it was like a weight to it. The, the hand that held me was, yeah, it's, it's so nuanced. It, like it held me very firmly, but it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't grabbing me. There was a real sense of weight of, I don't want to say power, that's taking it too far, but, but it, If I'd shrugged it off, it would have left, I think. But it wouldn't have been easy to just be like, it wasn't a light touch that you can just flick away. It's like meat to it. <laughs> it like, I... Yeah, it's that deep loving touch, perhaps. Even. 
yeah, I could tell there were five fingers there. And, and I was wearing, I was wearing a jacket with, well, this is not quite shoulder pads, but <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it, it wasn't just a, you know, like a, like a hand to shirt. Like I could feel this weight through that, but it was, it felt tender, but, but firm, like not a weak tenderness. I, I don't know how to, else to describe that. It was something very forceful about it. Like it, it was, it was telling me it was there, but it wasn't threatening me. As I remember, like even that is like, it comes out quite faltering. My words are faltering because it's, well, I understand I'm, you, you. I'm talking about it for the first time, really. Yeah, actually. You, 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 you gra you, you're grappling with it and you, you haven't formulated an idea about it. You haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really tall. I don't know how else to describe that. It felt really tall. So and this is one of the things where I wonder, like, the, the transference or the crossover between, you know, like emerging God and my, my father was very tall, <laughs> you know, but it, it felt, felt really, really big. But I didn't see anything, you know, it's not like I looked behind me or I just, you know, I, I felt, yeah, I, I think I felt safe. Like if anything came from behind, I don't, I don't know if that's important or not. I, I spent a large part of my childhood, my school going years up until later on, maybe 17, 18 a large portion of that time was uh, I was quite heavily bullied. So the sense of knowing what's behind you is really important. There was another reason why I was so fascinated by the martial arts. I thought it might give me the vaguest fighting chance at school, basically. But, and, and so, you know, just like knowing what's like, you know, spatial awareness and, and, you know, observation. And I was always very good at that. <laughs> because <laughs> you, yeah. you have to know what you the hell is going on and, you know, what your yeah. exit points are and whatever but for some reason that is something that I'm thinking of now like I wasn't worried about what was behind me I had no sense of in some way I'm projecting here but it's because I'm making meaning of this like if anything had come from behind me I wouldn't have been worried there's, there's some sort of a feeling of that connected with this that I didn't have to protect my back. I feel so aware that these experiences, when they're fresh like this, um, we start we start looking in two different directions. The one the one is the direction which we can explain it away, and then the other one is the direction in which we can bring meaning to it or bring things into the picture. And, and both processes are very important. Um, because it allows what the experience is to then be what remains. But, but, but definitely the experience of someone coming to stand behind you that you trust and for that trust to seamlessly translate as they move away 
and and there's a there's a differentiated presence there a presence that's there for you where there's personal contact and the personal contact is received and well received for an extended period of time you know for anyone that is that, that is bullied that has got any like like needing to differentiate self etc etc touch is not necessarily a comfortable experience especially not extended touch so there's a there's a lot in that that is just non-verbally communicated you know this is this is this this is a this is almost like like two two non-verbal communications the one is 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 the healing in the background <laughs> unannounced um you know but 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 noticed by others and then and then here there's another one that the first contact is is very primal it's very it's very non-verbal it's very it's very much like 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 you need like like touch is very affirming in that sense you know it's it's also there's also something in it that strikes me as being very paternal in the sense of like like I'm, I'm doing this because it's meaningful for me for you steve you know that 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 the link that i have in my head and that's potentially just because of of your earlier story of of your father making lunch for you all the way through that this is this is one of those things like what meaning does it have for you well that's secondary to the meaning that it had for your father, and it's secondary to the meaning that this touch has for God. Um, but but again, I don't know if I'm I'm introducing things here that aren't necessarily mm, part mm. of that experience. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Because I think you know, just, I, I, yeah. Sorry, I I I don't always think that the meaning is for us in a relational engagement when there's two parties involved some of the meaning is 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 actually just on the other person and i think some of the meaning in our in our human divine interactions or divine human interactions and the and the agency and the and and the asking and the giving and the receiving you know all of that kind of stuff not all of that meaning is for us <laughs> so i'm i'm okay with there there being an unexplained element there at that level in terms of like what does it mean do do you need to have that meaning for it to have been a meaningful interaction with god you know like what 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 meaning does god derive from the sense of of remaining in that touch as the chaplain moves away remaining present to you and and to experience your trust and your acceptance of that you know that's that's another layer, but again, you know, I'm I'm an outsider to that experience, and maybe this isn't part of it. But I'm, you know, I just I feel free enough to introduce that. Yeah, it it does make me think of a question that I was just wondering about through the day as I was trying to puzzle this through. Is yeah, what did it feel like for God? To, for me to be kind of aware of God, but to focus my God attention on my father, essentially. Like, if I project myself into that space, I would have found that quite painful. To, to desire connection with an other, but the other's attention is focused somewhere else. And that's, a, that's a, like an overly simplistic description but just wondering like well just to be blunt like what does it feel like for god that that my sense in a way of like the deification of my father has to wane before there's space for god to step forward and and that for me is quite challenging because immediately i think that that uh 
that steps around the idea of the almighty God that would just be like, oh, you know, I refuse to share my glory with anyone else. So we'll just have to squash this human being that's taking my place in your life, you know. <laughs> but there's almost this sense of, of a loving patience. But, a, but a, I just wondered, was it like a, like a hurt loving patience, a sadness behind I don't know, like a willingness to wait, but also I don't, I've experienced that. Like I have a willingness to wait for stuff, but at the same time, it's sad to have to wait for some sort of relational connection, especially when it's desired. And so that's not a conclusion so much as that was just a question in my mind throughout the day around what did it feel like for God to wait and for my emergence, my emergent understanding of the presence of God to move from a human to then a very impersonal, you know, the healing, the others, whatever, and for it to grow over time. And, and in a way, a wondering about like a frustration with that. Why does it take so long? Or, but, you know, frustration is also often like a sadness, a pain around a replacement, around a lack, which is almost very uncomfortable territory to talk about God in terms of where I've come from. But I'm coming more and more willing to at least ask those questions these days. Um, and so just how you put that just makes me go, well, that's really interesting as a thought. What, what, was that also really important for God as a way of going, hey, I get to actually be here with you without someone else in the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, very much so. Again, yeah. And, yeah. and so I'm hearing what you're saying and without just, just accepting it immediately, just wondering, as, as I think you're wondering if, if I'm hearing you correctly as well. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm very much wondering. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think one of the things about being present to experience like this is that, um, it's not about beliefs and it's not about neat ideas. There's no pass fail kind of thing. You know, is it an acceptable idea? Isn't it? Hmm. And because it's relational, it 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 it, it involves. <laughs> it comes much closer. It's not quarantined in history, and in you know, and it's not quarantined in in in, in views that are sanctified and out there that are written down. Mm. Mm. This starts touching on the tapestry of your life, and again, it goes back to that first quote of yours. You know that the the road or vehicle to knowing God is yourself. And the tapestry mm. of your life in a sense you know so mm. you know like a beginning bits of like what is god like god god heals without necessarily the fanfare of going give me credit that's very different as well to the picture of the god that needs to be uh have his ego battered up in worship right <laughs> sure yeah um, and again yeah the, the god who's 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 been almost anonymous in and through other people with as an ambassadorial representation almost anonymously stepping in <laughs> mm. you know and, and on one hand mm. being willing to be associated with a chaplain and on another hand wanting to be differentiated to go steve i want you to know me too um but but there's a tentative or a cautious approach from both sides perhaps you know maybe i'm reading too much into it but but to me, these sound like trust building activities and, and trust building engagements. Um, but they're deeply relational. Again, 
I think of mystical experience not being as too generous or these abstract experiences that explain themselves and necessarily impose into our life, but I think of them very much as relational experiences and 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 that's what I'm hearing you you know speak of. You're speaking of of relational experiences and then the question of emergence within that and differentiation within that. But also of your differentiation in some senses also mirroring God's differentiation in that process. And and between the two of you, the, the capacity to open up more space between each other. Um, and there with the potentiality of more absence as well as deeper connection. I like how you put that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that, that in some ways it sums up a lot of some of the the major points for me that I feel that I've I've been observing around my life, the idea of emergence of self, distinction, connection, desire for connection, realized connection. Um, yeah. You know, what's what's interesting for me is amongst other things and all the things that we're talking about that that moment was completely unsought after i didn't i wasn't looking for it and i didn't know i was looking for it until it happened like i i couldn't have scripted it and in in a way because because the as real as the impersonal god was God was still somewhat unreal in that very direct experiential sense. And I and I I I think I can tell that backwards from that moment throughout my life, God is a very real thing. But there's yeah, there's something different. The reality of something is very different when you actually experience it, as opposed to. I, I think when 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 we last spoke, I think you talked a little bit about like, the idea of a lion, and like I believe in lions, <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> yeah. I know they're out there, and I've watched videos about them, and I've seen other people interacting with them, etc., etc., etc. But the first time you're actually in the wild with a lion, or you are. You know, you're, you're you're that close with an animal like that. it's not in a zoo context. It's in a in a far wilder, far less controlled setting. That's something that, in a way, obliterates all the experiences in adverted commerce that have come before. And that, for me, is a real is a real shifting point. That moment is is uh, this this thing that I believe to be real really is real. I don't know how else to describe it. And I think that, that I'm trying so clumsily to explain for me, that's, that's, that's why that moment is unscripted. Because before then, I, even though I theoretically, and in the abstract, I can conceive of a meeting like that, I wouldn't have scripted it because I couldn't actually conceive of an experiential meeting like that. That's interesting. Yeah. 
I, I like the interplay of of the, of the way in which you use real and unreal before and after that event or before and during that event perhaps and and the transition so you can know that there is a god out there and hold to the idea of it and, and perhaps even have an awareness of that in the background in one way or another mm. through experiences through others through life events etc etc but once you have that first crossing over then suddenly what was real in the past suddenly becomes very unreal because it just doesn't seem to be as tangible or as solid anymore is that mm. is that am i hearing you correctly there yeah 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 in a way in a way it's also it's it becomes more solid because it it was solid but it's now a relationally solid it's experientially solid it's i can remember arguing i had a friend through my last few years of high school and we would argue incessantly he was a militant atheist essentially and i was a well, i wasn't a deeply committed christian kid but i knew enough to know that there was a god and that he was wrong basically <laughs> and so we would argue very theoretically but not once did it ever occurred to me that I could say to him, but this thing, like it speaks to me or it draws near to me or it touches me or it intervenes in my life. It was still very much like the God of, you know, the scripture or the God of the church or the God of my family or the God. Um, I have an, there's an experience that I had some years later that also has been on my mind a lot today and is perhaps, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you anyway, just in case it's kind of helpful here. So I did a camp with young people at some point and I was tasked with doing the talk during the weekend entitled, Who is Jesus? And I'd had enough experiential connection at that point with God to know. And okay, now here when I talk about knowing, I'm importing meaning in some way. I'm, 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 I'm enlarging the meaning that I had, that I was present to at that point. Something in me told me I couldn't just talk about the God of the scripture, right? You know, Jesus is your shepherd and Jesus is the, you know, whatever the Lamb of God, and you know, there's the, the you know, those kind of doctrinal statements and faith statements and scriptural statements and whatever. And so, as much as I formulated that part to my talk, there was a part that I knew was missing that had to do with the fact that this change had occurred in me. I'd gone from understanding God in that way as being somewhat impersonal, the God of someone else, the God of the system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera and it become personal. And, and I, I came across a story about a young girl who, whose parents had, um, uh, her, her father had murdered her mother and then shot himself in front of her. She then spent some time before she was adopted into a family and that family then took her to church for the first time in her life. And she was sitting in this little Sunday school class. And the teacher held up a picture and said, who can tell me who this is? And this little girl who'd never been to church 
and from the family that she'd come from, apparently had no, you know, kind of exposure to that, put her hand up and the teacher said, no, well, you know, whatever her name was, you, you can't know who that is because, you know, mommy and daddy have told me where you come from and I know this is your first time at church. And the little girl says, no, I, I do know who that is. And she said, okay, who is this? And the little girl says, that's the man who was holding my hand the night my parents died. And I can remember telling that story on that weekend away. And I was sitting on the ground in a room surrounded by teenagers and some peers of my age. And I can remember telling that story as the opening to my talk. And, and my sense of God's presence was, was so heightened that I don't know how else to describe it, but I, I felt like, like I had to fight to move my body around in the room. It felt like I was moving in syrup. And I can remember other people later telling me, like, I don't know what happened when you were telling that story, but there was something in the room with me. And, and so the, the reports from that point went all the way from people who had no language for it through to people who said, like, whoa, I really felt the Holy Spirit. There's all sorts of that. And after I told that story, I went on to talk about God as a shepherd, you know, Jesus is this or whatever. And I felt that presence shift and leave. But I knew, somehow I, I knew in that moment that if I'd only told the story about the God who is somewhat impersonal as the shepherd or the strong tower or the creator or the whatever, it didn't carry that experiential depth. And what I had experienced resonated with the story of this little girl because I knew, like I know now, I know because I know because I've been through it, you know, content of the story notwithstanding that god is real more real than just being a shepherd or a figurehead or a savior or a, and that for me was the shift like i could almost stand alongside that little girl and go i can't tell you his name but that's this is how he's shown up and i would have said oh i don't know i don't know a pronoun to it that's not necessarily accurate it, I wasn't aware that even that it was a he I just knew there was that this thing there becoming present so I don't know if, if that in any way like that for me was again I'm looking back and I'm understanding I think more of the meaning that changed for me and I realized that that is also part of the reason that I started to experience more and more conflict within institutional religion more and more and more over time because I was drawn to the first part of the story, the, the little girl's story. And I was trying to have conversations about that way of understanding God, as opposed to people who were talking to me about, you know, Jesus, the shepherd, Jesus, the savior. I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, I think what's interesting, just me, as you mentioned that, um, that last story is that, it's not just the story of the girl, it's the sense of that tangible, you know, tangible would be a word that I use now, but a sense of that tangible presence as you're telling that story as well. 
and you also say in the story as you as you moved on in in your in your talk there was a sense of that that presence receding or that tangibility receding is that the first time you were aware of of doing a talk uh, what was that like a like a sermon a devotional yeah it, it was yeah a sermon would be a little bit of a grandiose but yeah it was essentially a, a group of talks that that progressed thematically throughout a weekend and i had one of them essentially to deliver to the group yeah. so the, the the teaching the message or whatever was that was that your first first time you did something like that and you had a sense of that of that kind of presence with you no that that wouldn't be the first one but for me for some reason it stuck out for me today that memory let's put it this way it feels as that memory came to me unbidden today and as i wondered why I started to see the distinction between, for me, the expression of kind of relational presentness as opposed to idea of God stuff, and that that's what really meant a lot to me. And then I remembered that presence, that kind of, you know, people talk about the presence of God falling, and I always thought that's really stupid, but that's what it felt like. <laughs> it's like somebody just upended a bucket of syrup all over me in the room, and it just it happened like in an instant. It wasn't there, and suddenly it was just everywhere. And I felt hot, like hotter than I should have felt. And yeah, I felt like I like I had to strain to lift my head up and to look around or to move my arm and then as i spoke further i felt that the presence shifted and started to started to move away and even that i think is language i'm bringing later i know it was easier for me to look around i felt less hot you know yeah Mm, mm, less weighty well less molassesy perhaps or honey. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to lie down like face flat when i had that feeling and that feeling receded over time i had not i had less and less of a sense of being in the presence and needing to respond to it basically yeah i think i think interesting enough in in general we don't have enough good language around that and and sometimes our language for that results in in almost hype and forced experiences as opposed to the reality of what that kind of experience is i, I think to some extent you know I'd, i i you know I, you know unfortunately i don't know if we have if we have access to those other three people that you that you spoke about earlier but i wonder if they would have ever had a sense of that tangibility that you perhaps didn't have in in any of those situations earlier when praying for you for healing or spending time with you and i wonder what that that experience of the chaplain was like going around the room whether there was a say whether there was a felt sense of presence that they had or not so sure. in in the, in that event i know that sometimes when people talk about that they don't necessarily feel that and 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 people that they pray for do stuff for they do and vice versa as well so mm. you know it's a again it ends up being a complex scenario to unpack and it's a lot easier to do in the abstracts on some sometimes and at other times it's a lot easier to do when working with a specific experience like that mm. Mm. but yeah i i i think 
between those stories of yours, it starts to paint a, a picture of a of an emerging idea of there being uh, of there being a, like a presence that is also a person, and yet the, the 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 presence actually being a little bit broader than just the local definition of a embodied person. Mm. I, I mean, am I am I introducing? Am I jumping the gun? No, 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 no. That's from from that moment, that moment of the shoulder touching onwards. I would describe it as kind of, despite kind of the journey since then, and some of the ups and downs, and some of the feelings I've had around church and religion, and and you know, there's a whole sort of whack load of things that I'd have to unpack there. I think I can trace a line back to that moment and go from then on, there was a sense, like an irrefutable sense that there is something there that becomes present, that, that, is, that is more real than just a set of ideas, than, that is more real than an ideology, that is more real than even... So, yeah, this is where it gets difficult for me. It's it's more real than somebody else's God, which is weird because I could say to some level I completely accepted and understood that this God was real. It just wasn't present to me. But somehow there was an uninvestigated idea or sense that that God obviously was real to others. And I th that's something I've never actually poked at before. But now that I think about it, I, I, yeah, it, it, uh, I wouldn't have blinked at eye, I don't think, if my father had said, you know, I was praying and I spoke to God and God spoke back. I would have kind of gone, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but it, it, it didn't happen with me. But from that moment on. It did. Yeah, even at the, I, th I think probably the clearest way I can describe that is in the manifestation of even when I go, oh, like, does God even exist? I'm addressing it to that being, that question. I haven't been able to retreat to my previous position and go, maybe this set of ideas is crap. Maybe this needs an upgrade. Maybe I should move on. And maybe I won't be a Christian anymore. Outside of all of that, I've never been able to do any of that thinking, any of that wondering without it being addressed to this person, this thing. That I think is what fundamentally changed for me that day. I am, even in the absence of felt experience, of heard voices of whatever it might be, even in, and there are, even when there are periods of the absence of that, I'm aware that it's an absence rather than a, uh, a lack of being. I don't know how else to put it. I'm aware this thing is not speaking to me or not drawing close. I, I don't think I've ever once thought it stopped existing. I haven't been able to go back to that previous position. So I mean I, I find I, I find this um, you know almost the, the the progression tremendously interesting that it, and I think I, I think I 
you know, just to introduce some outside stuff, if, I'm, if mm. I may. Yep, like, please, go for it. In, in, in having conversations with people and asking people about their early experience of God, it's very seldom that someone won't start with their parents and specifically their father. And, and that their story won't start there. It's very seldom that it, that it doesn't in, in my experience. But what, what is also very interesting is, is the progression to when they recognize the distinction and how they recognize their coming and going or the drawing near or the withdrawal of that presence. And then, and then in that, there's also a lot of questions around. So what did this experience mean when God just did something up? or or whatever and 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 i'm aware that we often have explanatory frameworks that we put onto those experiences that don't actually match the relational reality of it if i was to say to you yes steve those are peak experiences and you know mountaintops are few and far between it it doesn't match your experience at all I, i i wouldn't think because they're not peak experiences in the sense that you sought them or you achieved them or they occupy that thing it actually occupies a relational continuum and is part of an exploration of a relationship rather than going oh yeah i can't look for that <laughs> or i can't want that or anything like that i mean um I, i'm aware that this like there's lots of theoretical stuff in my head yeah that is not necessarily fair to introduce or 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 relevant to your story yet but i but but just as i as i think about it like and as i reflect on it there's 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 some of these patterns that emerge as we start grappling with these experiences and i'm aware that our stories around faith and the idea of god just as institutions as faith institutions and that they don't necessarily match or they don't map to your experience very well they don't map to people's experience in general very well and that when we get into the texture of a story like this or a life story like this there's a there's there's you know there's a turning point around the concreteness of the engagement that then retroactively makes the god that one believed in much more real afterwards as opposed to just being an idea that one fights for and in your language the god of someone else you know becomes mm. the god who is present to me mm, mm, mm. And, and i like that dimension in your story because it there's all the hallmarks in these of relational engagement of of relational encounters of of a genuine coming to meet someone that's that's almost been around you know been a family friend but now you start having a relationship with them i'm, I'm listening and I'm, I'm thinking through what you're putting there but if if i think about the the relational continuity there one of the things that that immediately jumps to mind that i find so fascinating is that so in so in, okay so in some ways so i i i become aware later in life that to a greater extent even though in the moment i i'm aware of it to some extent that i have a a human to human interaction that i have taken on as as human to divine right myself and my father that changes and there's a space and into that there's this experience and into that for lack of a better phrase into that steps this god this being right and it initiates a very different kind of connection relationship and then there's a continuity so there's 
that's the beginning in a way, and it, and it, and it goes from there. And yet, concurrently, at the same time, I introduce kind of, it, <laughs> it's like an internet service provider. I immediately start to throttle, <laughs> throttle the, the, the delivery. I start to introduce and I explore and I'm exposed to and I'm taught all sorts of nuances to that, ideas about God that I take in a way like as clothing and I start to try and clothe this thing that interacts with me with these, with these different outfits. And, and that plays itself out. So there's a relational continuity. Yes, absolutely. And some of what I hear you saying at the same time, it initiates a new process of somebody else's God that I start to try and marry with the relational happenings. And sometimes they seem to connect and other times they don't. And sometimes I'm trying to force them to connect. And sometimes I'm either downplaying, disregarding, ignoring, or specifically like shelving the relational happenings for the ideas. Some of that has to do with, as I investigate over time, some of that has to do with your first question that you asked just now, some of the projection around needing a divine father will be better than the earthly father and figuring that out. Some of it has to do with my own emerging sense of myself and my desire to be loved and accepted and fit in. And so I find this new church system and immediately I become a someone who I've never known myself to be, which is quite, uh, quite able, um, quite, uh, I don't know, quite intelligent, quite articulate. Um, and, and I am, uh, I'm successful to a certain extent. There are things that I can do that quickly, like I, I become known within this and I become accepted and, and I start to get to know myself, but also craft myself again <laughs> as someone who will better and better fit into this church system. And I start to pick up doing the things of church and picking up the ideas of God, et cetera, that, that fit this somewhat, somewhat emerging me and somewhat like I'm creating me in a way to fit that. It's, it's very weird. I see myself growing and emerging in terms of who I, I now have language in, in a way for like the true self and the false self. And, and there's this process going on. And at the same time, I have a sense of the God who's relationally active in a way versus the God that's in this institution, in other people's thinking, in their ideas of God. And, and I'm doing the work of sometimes being true to that relational continuity, sometimes disregarding it, sometimes like actively fighting it. But often coming back to back to the sense of that's probably the realest, the realest real that I can drill down to is this thing that becomes relationally present. Um, but all of those other things also start to start to, in some sense, take on a life of their own. And that has also been part of the last 20 years trying to, to better distinguish what, what are all these things? Uh, what are they not? What do they serve? What do they not serve? Um, and so some of that is a growing sense of who I am that paves the way for a better and better 
an inverted commas, sense of who God is, uh, perhaps more fidelity towards the relational presentness is maybe a better way of putting it. Um, and so then having to let go of some of the easier stuff, like some of the ideas of God that clothe that or the, the, the you know, self to other connections that, that, uh, that get in the way of that, maybe. Uh, that feels very incoherent, but I, I don't know if that <laughs> is sort well, of tracking no, with no, anything that, of what you're that, saying. That sounds more coherent than what I felt I was saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it, it's interesting because I, I feel like in the same way that it's, it's hard to know what to ask for is in relational connection as a teenager emerging into a sense of self and in relation to parents and significant others. It's equally hard with uh, our lovers and it's equally hard with God. And and to some extent, there's an overlap in the language, the the degree to which one is differentiated from the other and to the degree to which one can close that to engage the other relationally. There's an overlap between all, all three. But, but it's deeply personal <laughs> and one doesn't necessarily know what the ask is. So to go, I want a deeper relationship with appearance and I've come to consciousness in the framework of a relationship that they've established, it's not easy to pierce through that and differentiate that, you know, from within. And similarly, you know, like we, we get married, we take on romantic partners, and similarly, we don't necessarily know, you know, what it is, the difference between getting lost in the relationship versus differentiating the relationship, and then covering that distance again. And then I think with the divine, with the presence of God as well, it's a similar kind of thing, except we don't, I, I don't know if we know how to ask for that tangible presence. How do we ask for the touch? How do we ask for the voice? How do we ask for the attention and awareness of God? And and how do we, how do we work or how do we respond out of that? I don't think we've got enough clear language of it. You know, we can, we can always default to words like unction or inspiration or, you know, I, you know, the hand of God was on someone or anything like that. But again, we're referring to a someone else out there. What does it mean for us to be in that zone, within that, operating within that space? You know, like, what does it look like to engage God with that clear sense of tangibility, like when you told that story? Mm. You know, what, is, what does that look like? What does quote-unquote prayer look like in that experience for you compared yeah. to without that? And I, and I think largely our language is the language of absence when it comes to spirituality and religion and faith. It's not the language of presence. And that's, 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 where, that's where I feel like this, this hits, is that the more we uncover this kind of tangible engagement stuff, the more appealing for me the idea becomes of going, let's explore this and let's make that central. How do we build a practice of that? How do we shape a spirituality of it? What kind of theology do we build as we reflect on it, et cetera, et cetera? That's, that's very much why I'm drawn so much to this because I think I've said before, it's, it's such a selfish work for me because this is, this is so important to me, for, for me, the, the pursuit of this relational connection. And as you say, like discovering that I have... You know, I'm language deficient there, in some ways tools deficient, and, and I've picked up things along the way, but 
but often they you know, when you talk about uh, we we're we're sort of settling for an absence in a way I feel as though like what what's offered for the absence is, is some kind of false presence. And, and even there it's, it's not so clearly, at least in my history, it's not so clearly defined as what you and I have been really trying to wrestle towards. Cause I, I think it is a sense of no, but the presence, this wonderful gift of presence that you have is God's absence essentially you don't need this presence thing because you have the gift of the absence. And what is the gift of absence? It is the institution serving, reading the scriptures, et cetera, et cetera. And so even where I have found some tools that in some ways have, have helped me and I've, I've found them useful towards discarding all of that and actually looking for presence, things like meditation, things like centering prayer, things like Lectio Divina, things like, uh, some of the spiritual practices of, of um, Ignatius of Loyola, some of uh, like um, Augustinian contemplation, like imaginative contemplation, sorry, is also uh, Ignatius, Ignatian. Like some of those things have been really helpful, but even again, some of, the, some of that offering has been, you know, around the whole, you know, accept the absence as the presence narrative. You know, centering prayer is about just essentially becoming quiet and still within yourself. That's the goal, you know, as opposed to chasing perhaps, the presence. Or perhaps the sense of going, um, that generalized presence that's out there, mm. what we connect with and we develop a healthy self-image in relation to through all these activities. Yes, yes, yes. But in that we're not looking for the, speci the, the specific tangible drawing near to be touched and directly engaged by a someone in that sense so so it's a it's an impersonal personal out there as opposed to the 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 the, the relational you know like in the busyness of uh, of the cosmos the creator drew near to me sitting next to a fire or spoke to me in a parking lot or whatever you know referring to any number of stories with that or someone in an abusive situation comes and holds their hand you know etc etc in the telling of those stories is the sense of going it's not just an impersonal personality out there you know the the presence is an attentional relational engagement which differs to me becoming at peace with the ever-presentness of god or the permeated presence of god in the background you know or yeah yeah exactly exactly and it is the search, as you talk about, the search for language around that, that helps us to better, yeah, in some, some sense, make sense of, uh, to be able to describe to self and others, to be able to, to go back and investigate the meaning of those moments, those experiences, essentially to, to take it seriously, which is, yeah, I think I think that's that's part of what I'm trying to say when I when I talk about that moment as being from then on it is it's irrefutable. It is something I have to take seriously. Even when there's times that I want to ignore it, it would be easier if it wasn't there or whatever. It it can never return to the impersonal personal 
or just the great mystery or the metaphysical quantum physics, quantum mechanics, or, you know, because as you say, that in the middle of all of this, there is something personal. The impersonal personal, as I understand it, doesn't put its hand on your shoulder. Yeah. Doesn't speak, doesn't act in this way because there's no need for that, I would think, on the one level. Yeah, yeah, and basically then says, no, Steve, you've got to rise beyond the need for that or even the desire for that. Yes. And I, I, I feel like it's the opposite when it comes to these experiences because these are those, you know, it's literally the touching point, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's literally a point of connection that's, that concretizes, you know, what can remain as an abstract. Um, so it's not just yeah. a shaping of consciousness. Yeah, there's a meeting of persons, and that there's a, you know, it's it, it's touch. It's very visceral in that sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I can't think of any any deep and meaningful relationship that exists or is nourished off this projected trajectory where. In the beginning, there's the meeting of eyes across a crowded room. There's a touch. There's a first date. There's a whatever, a first conversation, a first time you, you know, you talk all night until the stars come out and the sun comes up the next morning or whatever. There's there's those kind of you know mountaintop experiences that people speak about, and over time, what it means for a relationship like that to mature is that essentially you're just somewhat impersonally aware of each other and get on with life <laughs> and, and and that's going to lead to a deep and meaningful relationship that's illogical to me so exactly as you say that the progression is 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 that that deepens in some way that it becomes even more and more meaningful that the perhaps the ways in which those connections happen will change and evolve but it's not that that the meaning has to be sacrificed or even the frequency of that has to be sacrificed. Um, and in, in fact, in my experience and in my experience in speaking with others, for those for whom this is really important, and I think specifically of people I've spoken about, spoken with who go on to, to where, where this sense of connection with the divine other has led them to wish to, to, to use their life in service of this divine other for whatever that means. So we talk about a calling and they go into churches and they go into places of service. The deepest frustration, the spaces where they feel most unmet in their relational need, their connection with God is when they move from a, a lover-to-lover -lover experience and essentially in some way just become co-parents who go about the duties of what it is to, to run a household together. And, the, and, and that's what I kind of don't get because that for me is a, is a poor second to continuing the trajectory of relational connection. That for me is the prize. Like that, I, I don't see any other end game 
everything else is that's how i would understand the idea of jesus's words around pursuing the kingdom of god is that this idea of connecting of self to divine other and then i would also say self to self and self to other is 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 the center and everything flows from that 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 would be my take on that if i have to think from a scriptural perspective but that even that comes second to me when I think of my actual experience and go, yeah, that seems to me to be the crux of this. Everything else flows from that. That just makes sense to me from a relational perspective. It's not that there has to be a, a bait and switch or an evolution or a replacement. And at some point we just accept, oh, well, you know, we used to talk, <laughs> but now we just get on with buying groceries. Uh, it doesn't track um, if, we, if we're saying similar things. Yeah, no, we, we are. I, I feel like, like in, in one, on one level, this, um, um, this tracks an arc of your story and it's, it's almost a good place to, you, you know, it, it, it tracks a good arc in terms of like the opening of the story of, of, of how you arrive at a sense of the tangibility of God's presence, right? Hmm. And I mean, if you're happy with us leaving leaving that there for tonight, we can sure we we we, we can always come you know like we'll we'll come back to it in the after conversation tomorrow. Sure. Um, but I'm I, I'm really not wanting to to abstract too much from this and rather digest yeah, just, just, just a story if I if I may. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I know we've got great capacity to go into. Like, like the developing language and ideas that we've got and get into that but but i mm. I, I just i mm. just really want to i think just reflect a bit more on the stories that you've told and sit within your experience a little bit more and let that digest for me because mm. there's something in this that that really just stands out for me again of how how the build is towards relational connection and that does happen through concrete touch by god and how important that is to your story um, and how your life story isn't separate from that and the same kinds of questions about how to differentiate and how to connect they they're very relational and then they, they match the the story of our relationship with god as much as they do our story of relation to ourselves and others um, there's an interplay between them they're tied together no, thank you. Thank you for, I appreciate that you're bringing us back to that. I think that's very important. Um, yeah, in, in some ways I was, I, was, uh, I was relying on you to help me to stay present to that. Uh, it's been something that I've been struggling with today, to stay present to the presence rather than to, to dash off into the abstract. So thank you. I think it's very easy. I mean, I, I find it very easy to do that, which mm, is why, mm. which is why I'm, you know, for me, it's a, it's a note that I've got in front of me. <laughs> you know, do justice well, thank to you. the story. <laughs> thank you. No, I really do appreciate it. I, I, I find it very, very helpful because I think that's, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Cause I, I also think that there's, there's so many nuances in stories like yours that, that speak of how significant that that those those touch moments are and how enduring they are and how unprocessed they can be for so long 
you know, uh, no, no particular point with that other than the fact that I think it's very important that these 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 milestones, these markers in our journey are, are very important to prioritize and they're very important to to be able to share in order for us to enter into the depth of what they actually are. And and in the absence of being able to do that, their true value is left unmined and untouched, perhaps even. I'm I'm very confronted by that, and I'm surprised within my own story, because I really enjoy meaning making, and I enjoy meaning mining. And you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm surprised to go. Oh, that's a significant moment for me, and I haven't. I've barely spent any time wondering why or what was happening or what was the meaning. And I'm aware part of that is is because I just I haven't told the story in this way ever. I've never invited myself and I haven't had anybody else invite me to be present to it in this way before. It's always, like we said earlier, it's always served something else. And I think that even that is partly why it's difficult for me to stay present to it. Because in a way, there's there's almost like a well-worn neural pathway that says, okay, but that's not so important as it is to get you onto the next and the next and the next. And then you make your point and you say, okay, well, over to you, Tim. Like, are you ready to believe in Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as opposed to just, I actually, I'm feeling myself almost quite literally sitting back in that little chapel on that wooden bench again feeling that feeling that hand feeling that presence looking across the room at the other people there and seeing that elderly chaplain move around it's the first time i've 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 sort of ingested and started to metabolize the idea of the one who is mediating the impersonal presence moving on so that that presence actually remains as distinct. I've, I've never put those links together like really concretely for myself and gone, that was, that was really important. I kind of know, oh, it's, yeah, it's important as a distinction, but it's taken on a whole different flavor for me now to go, yeah, that. I can, I can now, and I, yeah, I don't know, maybe I would have been able to say that previously, but I can categorically say, was not that chaplain's hand on my shoulder there were two different touches he definitely touched me and he held my shoulders he prayed for me and then he moved on and perhaps god was holding me all the time at the same time or their hands you know god's play, hand replaced his you know within a fraction of a second or there was a short break and then god and that i'm not certain of but I know there's a difference there now. I'm very conscious to that, having been able to reflect on it and tell it in that way. You see, experiences like this open up the potential, and by the potential mm. I mean to go, to practice the presence of God from the position of the person that receives and to practice the presence of God from the position of the chaplain that is moving around that room. Mm. I think, both are very important for for people like you and I who consider a life of service and doing this kind of work mm. as being what we're called to. For us to practice the presences as as the expectation that that 
that tangible presence is going to go with us and is going to rest on people and for them to mm. engage that. It, that's a very different thing to, oh, I have to give an encouraging talk or I have to, mm. um, you know, just go through, you know, give someone some, some bread and wine or whatever. You know, it's a very yeah. different kind of expectation to expect this to go with it. Mm. I, I don't feel like we prepare people for this when we teach them to do this kind of thing, you know, to mm. do ministry, quote unquote, or, or spirituality, quote unquote. But I think on the flip side, when people are going, I have an unmet need for intimacy with God, I don't think that there's enough language given and enough permission for it to be, I'm looking for this concrete stuff as opposed mm. to feel like when I'm around and doing all these activities, I'm feeling the absence of God in them because the language is always, mm. no, yes, where you experience God or you, you know, you're separate from God and one day you'll be united to God and now it's united by faith, etc., etc. Like, like, like when concrete stories like this are told, I feel like those other things just start fading away for me because, mm. because I, I know that it's, it's in stories like these that people discover that they matter and that their life mm. matters and that God cares for them as opposed to generally caring about people, but not enough to bring healing or reconnection mm. or to speak to them directly or anything like that. Mm. We're, we're, whereas here and in touch, there's, there's, there's the, there's the, the nonverbal communication of respect and love, safety, um, you know, etc., etc., all around. And it, it's not necessarily even just in the context of going, oh, I'm in crisis. It's just, you know, the chaplain came around, <laughs> God remained. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's something so, um, um, I don't have the word for it. Um, there's something so natural <laughs> about that mm. as a handover even. I really like that. Uh, uh, something that struck me specifically with, with where you started is the idea that I was never taught that. See, I think that's perhaps part of the reason why that memory of giving that talk in that room struck me so deeply. What I was actively taught was the second part of that talk. You, you've got to have some sort of good, solid theology to offer people. Otherwise, what are you giving them? And, and, I would say, I would use the language of something told me that wasn't enough, but but this is my sense of, in a way, the start of that is in that chapel with that hand and going, okay, so that's the real deal. So as you talk about now being the chaplain in a way, I'm aware of a desire that I think started then that I've been able to tap back into many, many times where I've gone, and I phrased the question differently. It's sometimes it's been a statement, perhaps of, well, if you're not going to show up and I'm going to speak, then what the hell is the point? It's been a question of what do you want me to say, so that somehow you're speaking through me. It's been a it's it's. What struck me when you said that was I've never been taught to do that, and then I realised well actually, <laughs> I was taught. But I was taught by that presence, and it was that emergent moment that taught me that's the thing, like that's the real deal. That's what you have to aim for. So when you interact with people, and I'm not 
for one second suggesting I've always got it right. That's not the point of this. The point is just suddenly it hit me in a flash. That's why it's always been important for me that if I pray for somebody, it's less the words coming out of my mouth or the, you know, having the right amount of candles or any of that other crap. The, the central point is that not whoever I'm sitting with would also be able to have some sort of, like God would be real for them, would show up, would speak, would act, would touch, would whatever. And in a way, I guess I could own the language now. Well, God taught me that, mm. actually. That's quite profound. It, yeah, <laughs> I, I've <laughs> never ever put that together, ever. I was actively taught a lot of the other stuff. And there, there, many is the time that I've ignored that. That I can be sure of. Many is the time I've felt really good, like I put a slick message together or a great presentation or because I was also involved a lot in music, it would often happen that I would be far more interested in the actual music than, than what I understood to be happening, which is the vehicle, essentially. If, if part of the vehicle to engage in God is knowledge of self, I saw music in church as a similar kind of idea. It's just a vehicle through which God can become present in the same way God became present to me in that chapel. And that's, that's something God gave me, really, because I, you know, I know that. And I, in a way, I want that for others. That's interesting. I, I like that. I, I feel like that's a good point for us to draw this to a close, if you're okay with that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to say... Um, that, you know, again, just reiterate that I, I, I really truly mean it and deeply appreciate that you've shared your story, you know, shared so much of your story, your life experience so, um, so authentically and vulnerably, yeah, and that you would trust me to um, be present to you as you process some of this stuff live. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. Well, thank you. You, you make it very, very easy. I was, yeah, I felt incredibly daunted going into tonight, but uh, you really do, so I, I appreciate your listening and your presence and some of your prodding and your questions and your response. Uh, it's also been tremendously helpful and, and made it yeah, a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>